Moat on the volley. And yes! the corner. What a start for West Bromwich Albion. The Baggies Podcast, giving you the latest news, views and opinions on all things Albion. Hello and welcome back to The Baggies Podcast, where of course we're giving you all the latest news, views and opinions on all things Albion. We're back again today uh, to react to Saturday's away defeat to Luton Town, 2-0 at Kenilworth Road. Uh, We'll also be having a little bit of a preview ahead of Middlesbrough on Tuesday, which is away at the Riverside uh, on Tuesday night. But before we get cracking, be sure to subscribe on your podcast platform or on YouTube, wherever you're listening from. And if you want to leave us a nice review, that would be uh, very much appreciated uh, if you're new around here and haven't listened to us before. But today I'm joined by Joe from the Albion Show podcast. Joe, how are you doing, mate? Welcome back. Yeah, I'm going very good. Thank you, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. It's it's great to have you back. I mean, last time was... uh, Last time was quite positive, I think, when we when we last when you last joined me on the show. It was uh, back in October. We we just beaten. It was a match reaction to Birmingham, uh, the Birmingham win at home. It was it was uh, I suppose maybe not the prettiest win, but quite uh, quite a celebratory win certainly over a, I suppose a local rival. How have you sort of seen things since then, Joe? It's been uh, been you know a long sort of uh, five months or so. <laughs> How have you seen things going on at the Albion since then? Well, I, th- I think it's been fair to say that we've gone downhill since then. I think we had the, kind of the really good spell at the start of the season and then we started to fall away after the Peterborough game and then we kind of sort of got things back up, I think, up to Coventry. Then after that, it's just been kind of a nightmare. I don't know what's happened you know, like in terms of the backroom staff with the players and maybe there's been disruption. Maybe you've lost the dressing room, but they were clearly weren't playing for him at the end. Um, yeah, it's, it's not been the best of times. We have now got Steve Bruce, who... By all accounts, he's, he's saying all the right things. He's doing what Ismail couldn't really do in terms of adaptive tactics. I know yesterday he switched from like the 3-5-2 to the 4-2-3-1 or the 4-4-2, which is good. But it hasn't clicked for him so far. And yeah, it's not really been, we've not really had the best of times since that game. Yeah, it's been uh, been quite worrying, to be honest. Obviously, Steve has come in and, and tried to sort of steady the ship, but it seems a bit of a case of same old story, really, with a lot of the things that obviously he's coming out and saying the right things, as you said last after the game last night, which I'm sure we'll get we will get on to what he said after that. He was he was pretty um pretty pretty angry to be honest, which I, I liked a bit. I, I quite I quite like that he's, he's he's willing to sort of tell the players exactly how it is. Have you sort of seen his 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 reign progressing so far? Obviously, uh, he's now he's now uh, three games in uh, and not, not not managed to pick up a victory. Well, initially, I thought after Sheffield United, up until the red card, I thought we were the better team. I thought we were actually trying to play some nice football, trying to kind of pass it around, which is kind of a contrast to what we did with Ishmael. His philosophy was kind of getting the ball up to the forwards quickly. But we're trying to play progressive football. Against Blackburn, I thought we actually played really well. I thought we were kind of really solid defensively. The only chances they really had were kind of the offside one, which was um, which was rightly given offside, as well as the Gallagher chance he slipped. But we had our own chances of our own with the um, the reach header and the Clark goal, which was definitely offside. But that was really kind of a positive performance against a promotion rival. I don't know whether we've considered like promotion candidates at the moment, but um, yeah, I thought that was a really good performance. And then it's kind of we've gone backwards really against Luton. I thought first half we were really good. I thought. 
we should have had at least two. I know uh, one of the stats website shows we missed two clear-cut chances, and I think one of them was Grant's in the first half when he hit the crossbar. I think the other one may have been Carroll's or something, but I'm not sure. But yeah, um, hopefully there are signs that it will work and it can improve, but at the moment it's not looking good. Yeah, it isn't. But yeah, that, that defeat was, you know, Saturday was, yeah, a sight, a sight to behold. And I think we, we seem to find new low points of the season as we, as, we, as we go through them. You know, some would say it was, you know, Derby back in December. So, you know, some might say, uh, you know, there, there were different low points of the season. Preston, Millwall are all, were all collectively in there. And then now we're at Luton under a different manager, but with the same players producing, you know, fairly similar results. Um, so we'll start by talking a little bit about the lineup, which was... Um, uh, as you said, he, he showed a bit of adaptation and was able to change the formation, which which I like about that. You know, he went for a, a three-five-two, which is a, is a little bit different. Um, and he went for obviously that two up front, which was I, I suppose what we what we thought that we all needed after that uh, after that game against Blackburn, where we thought Andy Carroll might need some support. What did you make of the lineup? Only the one change in there, though, Joe. Um, with 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 Bartley coming in for Robinson, how, how did you sort of see the lineup? Were you a bit more confident heading into the game after seeing it? Well, initially I thought, oh, it's three at the back. It's going to be very similar to Val Ball. We're just going to uh, try and do what Val tried to do. But then we we actually had the Carl and Grant and Andy Carroll up top, which, we, as you said, was definitely what was needed. I think Andy Carroll was really isolated uh, against Blackburn. But I, I wasn't surprised to see Robertson dropped. I, I thought he had an all right game, especially second half against Blackburn. The first half, I didn't really do anything. But... Um, yeah, I, I was mainly kind of surprised he didn't go to a four four two. I think that was kind of the logical way to do it, but I can understand why he's tried three five two in order to try and uh, maybe counteract Luton's who went with the three four one two. Just trying to maybe kind of balance it out in the midfield. But yeah, yeah, it wasn't. It probably didn't work as well as as well as we thought. Really, it was a, another sort of dismal away performance. I think you know. That's uh, the, the stat that I've, I've I brought up, I think, in the last last episode with with Steve from The Athletic. And he honestly, his eyes popped out when I told him that, you know, this we haven't actually won away since Coventry back in on the 4th of December, it was. So that is yeah, a good couple of months uh, since since our last, uh, last away victory. Um, yeah. So, so what was your assessment, I suppose, overall of the game, Joe? How do you feel? Was it a just loss for us? Was it, you know, a feel, you know, feeling that we should have lost that game? Or would you think maybe we deserved a little bit more out of it? Oh, I'm going to quote a football manager thing. I think uh, one of the uh, things you can do after the team talk is like, that was a real Jekyll and Hyde performance. The <laughs> first half, we were, re- we were really good. We started having lo- loads of shots on target. We were kind of creating chances. And as Bruce said, second half, we just flew, like, fell away. It was unacceptable. I think that's what he described them as. But yeah, literally, I think we fell apart second half. We just lost our motive, our mojo. We just literally couldn't really be asked. I think it's kind of fair to say. Mm-hmm. We just gave away loose balls. And then Luton just piled on the pressure and eventually they scored, which, you know, I think we, we probably could have had... If we if we were tuning up in the first half, then we, we could have been. We would have won, I think, easily. I think we would have seen the game out. But we're low on confidence. Away form has been dreadful. As I said, we haven't won away since Coventry, and we just we are rubbish away. I'm not sure what it is, but yeah, I think something needs to improve and quickly. Yeah, it's been uh, been been a rough ride away from home, of course. And yeah, I, th- I think um, I think one of the things we I wanted to highlight into in in today's episode. Obviously, I spoke a little bit about this 
uh, about the midfield three because obviously we've got we've got a midfield three which is something that we really haven't seen for, for you know quite some time under Ishmael we played uh, Malumbi, Reach and, and Moa in there obviously Livermore played in there until he, he went and got himself uh, sent off and suspended but obviously I think a lot can see that that they, they mostly are are trying the best but you know the quality in it is is quite poor. The, the question I wanted to ask Joe: Do you think that's this is the poorest Albion midfield three that you or midfield sort of combination that you you've seen in your lifetime? I think it is definitely one of the worst. I, I don't know whether it is the worst, but it's definitely one of the worst. I think what we really lack in midfield is that sense of creativity. I think Moa on his day can provide creativity, but I think what uh, Bruce is using him is kind of a deep line playmaker. Reach has been really kind of ineffective, I think, in um, the past three games that uh, Bruce has played him. But saying that, he's are kind of the most able to pass the ball as well as Moa in that three. I think Malumbi's kind of like a box-to-box kind of nippy midfielder. But we really miss kind of like that Pereira type of player. I think Pereira would really suit Bruce. And also, I think we were interested in Matt O'Reilly for it to Celtic. I think he would have yeah. really like slotted nicely into that midfield and kind of give us that extra bit of creativity up to Cowell and Grant, who could potentially finish the chances off that we haven't been able to do this season. Yeah, it's just, um, yeah, the midfield, just it's, it's a bit too, I think Reach is, is really trying his best to sort of pull forwards, trying to slot ball through. But in reality, he's, he's not really that sort of player. And I think... You know, Moat probably is. It has been that sort of player, but he's not playing in the role to, to sort of be, be given the, the freedom. And obviously you've got Malumbi, who I think, as you said, is is, is not really set up. He's, he's more of your sort of ball winning, you know, gets around the pitch and just tries to get the ball back as often as possible. See, so if we, we chat about the the, fir- the first goal now, it was a, a header from a free kick and... I think uh, Cameron Jerome was left in a, in a in a in a bundle of space really in there. I'm not really sure what happened, um, but yeah, it was Andy Carroll who gave away that that first that that free kick, which I think was was probably you know he found himself almost chasing chasing down uh, the left back down the wing, which I thought was absolutely bizarre for, for for you know the striker to be doing that. I think there certainly should be other players who can do that for him. But yeah, it was a it's a poor goal to concede, wasn't it, Joe? You know, there's not not very much marking going on in there for for Cameron Jerome's opener. Yeah, I think that's kind of... I think we've been actually really good from defensively set pieces this season, but it's just kind of a lack of concentration. I don't know whether it's Carroll. I know he definitely gave away the free kick. I think it was really a necessary challenge, as you just said. It was no real kind of threat. I think Connor Townsend maybe could have come over and dealt with it or one of the midfielders. But it was Carroll who was there. Needless free kick to give away. And then we just switch off. Jerome's free in the box and head off, really, I think. Yeah, it was yeah, just... Yeah. It's just it's, it's a really tough goal to concede, really. Like we've been, we were in top of the game. It, I don't know whether against run a play, but especially after the first half, it was against against that kind of pressure that we put under Luton. But um, but yeah, I think it was a really soft goal to concede, and really didn't set the mood for the afternoon. Yeah, it was just um, it, you know, the first half, as you said, there was there was chances in there for us, and you know, there was um. You know, obviously the grant miss, I think we're probably gonna have to have to have to mention because I think that was quite a big one and was one that was circulating quite widely on Twitter afterwards. He's obviously gone to to chip the goalkeeper from probably no more than six, six or so yards out, which I don't think I've seen many players do before. And then it's come back up the bar and he's tried to have a little swing at it uh, and reacted late to that. Uh, he's got he's got to put that one away, hasn't he, Joe? It's it's, it's one of those that you know you you score that and and all of your problems really start to sort of disintegrate and you start to gain a bit more confidence. But 
at the moment, that was just a miss that was sort of telling of our, our, our sort of season so far, really. Yeah, I think, as you said, as you said, it's like the story of our season. We get, we create the opportunities, but we just can't finish them off. I think, especially after he hit the bar, his reaction to kind of uh, anticipate the rebound wasn't really there. I know I, I didn't really watch the game, but I listened to it on Albion Radio and then I saw the uh, video he's talking about on Twitter and he just stood there. He, he kicked the goalkeeper and he just kind of was going to run away to potentially celebrate. They didn't and then he just had to come back and yeah. It was it was a bad miss. It was uh, he really should be scoring that and putting us one 0 up, which would really have done our confidence a load of good. But it wasn't meant to be, and um, yeah, I think every, the whole team's not on confidence at the minute. I think Carroll is probably the most one of the biggest player that we can rely on in terms of confidence and ability to score the goals because Grant's clearly not doing it at the moment and I can't really see anyone else who will apart from DK when he potentially gets back from injury because he looked bright against Peterborough Yeah I think DK is going to be I mean the DK Carroll strike partnership if that ends up being it uh, if that ends up being the case I mean I think you know Carroll could probably be the only player one of the only players that we could potentially pick up that can make Daryl DK look like a sort of more nimble striker I think you know that would be uh, an amazing sight to see is that is that a strike partnership you you think that you might be interested in seeing when that when uh, if and when Daryl DK comes back from injury yeah I could definitely kind of see that working as well I think you've got potentially kind of the both of them have got quite really quite tall especially compared to kind of some other strikers that we've got like Grant so when you've got kind of the really big man and the big man it's kind of you can use the height of them if I flick on and then you've got the pace and power of DK to kind of finish the uh, chances off which is really what we need to do because I think how I don't know what the XG we created was it was 1.6 expected goals um, against Luton compared to their 0.79 mm. so um, yeah if we can literally get so, Daryl DK and Andy Carroll up front I reckon maybe the, ch- the chances that we missed DK scores yeah hopefully yeah I think that's definitely the plan and I mean that is a yeah I'm looking forward to seeing that strike partnership in action if it does happen but yeah I I suppose the second half is probably the biggest elephant in the room I think the best way I can probably describe it it was fairly 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 dreadful but a bit gutless from from a lot of the players I think you know to almost just down tools in the second half and especially when that first goal went in you know, the, the reaction was just not was was not good enough. And, you know, I do feel for a lot of those away fans who, who travelled all the way to, well, I say all the way, it's not not the biggest journey you could make on an away day, but still a sizable one uh, to Luton and, and paid all that 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 money to, to, to go and watch them and just watch a, a team just completely down tools like that. And, yeah, rightly so, Steve Bruce was was quite literally red-faced. I think he dropped a few swear words in his post-match um, press conference with, with the press... Um, it, yeah, the, the second half was just was really not good enough, Joe. Was it? It was just not not what you want to see at all. If, especially as a travelling fan, if you go and watch that away from home, you know that's not performance you pay to see in the second half. Yeah, I know we've kind of sold out quite a few of our away ends recently. I don't know whether it was Derby. I think we sold out, but especially Luton, we we really the players really don't know kind of how much. I don't know whether they do know or but we the fans sacrifice a lot to go and watch their team play on a Saturday afternoon and to put in that kind of performance on a uh, on a Saturday uh, lunchtime it's it's not really kind of acceptable I think yeah Bruce alluded to that in his press conference but, but I think it turned to quite a toxic atmosphere I think it was very similar to Millwall I was listening to the phone on WM and apparently quite a few uh, people were chatting you're not fit to wear the shirt so I don't know whether I don't know whether it's justified yet 
if we lose like another maybe two games, then I reckon that if if, it, if that those chances start at home, I think then that could be a real issue for the players and the confidence because we don't really need it at the moment. Because yeah, low on confidence means low performance and like really bad performances, and those don't return to results really. So we need to get behind the boys and encourage them as much as we can. But I can't really see that happening anytime soon. Yeah, I, I, yeah, you said there. That, you know, if that happens, start, happens, starts happening at home, you know, you start to get you start to get quite worried because you're almost just sort of backtracking into how it was under Ishmael, maybe just chanting at a diff, different group of people this time. Obviously, you know, the Preston game at home was one that you know I, I don't think I've ever seen you know that bad in my lifetime. You know, when uh, the whole ground seems to be turning on a manager, leaving the stadium and stuff like that. You know. You do fear for what could happen, and I do feel a little bit for Bruce because you know he's he's walked in, and I think like Allardyce, he's come in and he's he's realised what sort of a job he's got on his hands here because you know he's he's got a group of players that clearly aren't are you know are falling away and have got that haven't got the confidence to turn themselves around. And although Bruce is supposedly meant to be quite a confidence filling manager, he's 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 got a massive job on his hands, hasn't he, Joe? To to kind of give these guys confidence and to and to, to turn the form around really yeah he's definitely got a huge job I think it's probably one of the I don't know it's one of the biggest jobs he's ever taken but probably one of the toughest in terms of like the dressing room but I think what Bruce had compared to what Big Sam had Big Sam actually had a transfer window to under his belt mm. to try and get the players that he wanted in because he his recruitment Big Sam by the way is unbelievable mm. he signed Yakushlu Dianya and Maitland-Niles all in January. And those were key players for the second half of the season. They bore some vital points, which ultimately didn't end up kind of getting a survival, but it definitely improved our chances, I'd say. But yeah, unfortunately for Bruce, he, did, he didn't get that transfer window. I think it, like we could have sacked Val maybe two games earlier. That may have given us time to get Bruce in, giving him maybe a week or so just to get his players in. But, um, but yeah, I think that's a real disadvantage is what Bruce had and, I think it may be very difficult because he hasn't got his players in to um, get his kind of style of football across to what he thinks. Yeah, I think, um, you know, Allardyce's transfer window cannot can't really be underestimated. You know, those players that he bought in turned us into a competing Premier League side rather than a side that was just sort of rolling over every game. And, you know, uh, Allardyce, I think, you know, lots of us would would have loved to have seen him stay on, but see, he wasn't definitely wasn't up for that. I think he knew the size of the challenge ahead. But, you know, as you said, you echo the thoughts of, of Steve last week, who said, you know, if only we'd have sacked Ishmael a couple of games earlier to give Bruce, you know, you know, number one, some better fixtures to start with, because Sheffield United, Blackburn and Luton at the moment, who are all all in reasonable form, you know, aren't nice places to start your, your managerial career at Albion off with. If you'd have sacked him a few games earlier, you may have started with a Peterborough, Millwall, Preston, you know, they're all games that on a on a on a normal day that you you you, you could come in and, and, and pick up a victory. But yeah, I think they they'll they'll learn that they're, they're gonna have to learn that mistake because you know that's a huge chunk of um chunk of games gone now that they've sort of let slide and, and Bruce has got a real uphill battle now because you know he's just faced you know some of the better better form sides in the league Sheffield United now in the playoffs Blackburn still up and around the automatic promotion spots you know they're horrible games to come into aren't they Joe you know you look at the the sort of uh, the sort of caliber of side you're coming into Luton is a difficult difficult away game to face uh, you just hope that you, you wished that maybe he'd have had a bit of extra time not just for the transfer window but also for a bit of a more more confidence boosting games to to come into. 
Yeah, I think if you'd like, um, if he had the Sheffield United, sorry, the um, Peterborough and uh, Preston games, I think you could potentially get that new manager bounce because um, Peterborough, who have not been in very good form this season, uh, in the relegation zone, just lost to Derby. So if he, if he had those two games, I think he may have got a result against Preston. Even they lost to, was it uh, Reading? I think it was mm, yesterday. Yeah. So if, if he had those two games, we had won those, we would have brought real confidence into Sheffield United, believing that we've got a couple of games with the style of football, the um, new formation, the new kind of philosophy that Bruce wants to implement, have that ready for the Sheffield United game. We also have a new manager, so we can't forget that Sheffield United are probably in the position that we were now earlier in the season. Because they had Yukanovic, yeah. yeah. who like, was he got the mid-table. He was playing some good stuff. It just wasn't working for him. So he got like, Heckin Bottoms come in. He's done quite really well. He's got him up into the playoff position. So I think they're in sixth. So it's going to be, it's like really a tale of a, a kind of as a Jekyll and Hyde thing. So, uh, so you know, earlier in the season we played quite well, and in the second half season we may potentially fall off. Hopefully, we can, um, hope we can recur it in the next kind of. Uh, uh, I, don't know how many, I don't know how many games are left. I think it was 14 or something like that. But I know I was listening to WL on yesterday. Apparently, you need 72 points for the playoffs. And we've got, say, 14 games left. We need to win nine of those. Can we realistically win nine of the 14? I'm not sure, considering the confidence at the moment. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's difficult, isn't it? There's a lot of points to make up, you know, if you want to get into those positions. And, you know, you just look at the teams around you. I'd say that several of them probably in personnel and previous history in the championship probably aren't better than the side that we've got, but they've certainly got the drive and the organisation and, and that sort of stuff uh, to, to take them forwards. And yeah, I think Jekyll and Hyde may have to be the title of the episode here, Joe. I think you, you mentioned it a couple of times there. Uh, it's, it's so telling of, of what we saw yesterday in particular, but also the, the whole season. Uh, one thing I, was, I wanted to chat about, Joe, is, is, is sort of the... The, the calibre of player that we've got at, at, at the club at the moment. I think, you know, the players are probably decent championship level, but realistically, if, you know, if I talk you through this list and, you know, the, the list of teams that we've bought the, the, the current, the, well, the starting 11 yesterday from, you know, it's, it's quite, it's quite a ridiculous stat to be honest. You know, you've got in goal, we've got Johnston from Man United, you know, you've got a back three of players from Swansea, Rotherham uh, on loan from Brighton, of course, with Matt Clark. Your wing-backs are from QPR and Scunthorpe. You've got a midfield three of, of Barnsley, Sheffield Wednesday, uh, well, that bit, those being their last clubs anyway, and on loan from Brighton again, and then a front two of, of, of players that uh, their last clubs were Reading and Huddersfield. So, you know, only three teams were in the top flight, those being Man United and, of course, the, the two signings from Brighton that were in the top tier when we when we bought them. You know, it's, it's a ridiculous record, Joe. Do you think recruitment's something that needs to be needs to be sort of looked at uh, in in the summer, and maybe a bit of a clear out maybe needed? Ah, uh, yeah, definitely. I think the recruitment has gone downhill ever since Dan Ashworth left. I think we haven't really had that kind of um, like director of football. I think is kind of one of the models that they use. I know Luke Dowling tried to do it for a couple of years. His signings didn't really work out. That's why he. Eventually left, but yeah, as you say, we're kind of recruiting championship quality players. What we need is championship quality, like really high quality championship players who can make a step up to the Prem. I think DK's one of them. I think he has the potential to get there. I think we have also picked up some bargains. Like if you look at Townsend from Scunthorpe. I know he only came from Scunthorpe, but he has definitely really progressed as a player over his uh, kind of uh, three year, three four years at the club. 
as well as kind of Ajayi as well from Rotherham, who has played in the Premier League, played one of the Premier League, and I could definitely see him, because I know he's played quite, played quite well under Bruce, he didn't really get a chance under Ismail, but I reckon he could definitely get a Premier League move in the summer if we don't go up, which is looking highly likely at the moment. We definitely need to have a really real clear out of all the deadwood. I think some of the more kind of ageing, experienced players, maybe a couple of them could stay, but we need to have really kind of a whole clear out. And making yeah. sure that we have a new kind of transfer philosophy of trying to get. So I know I really like what Brentford and Barnsley do. I think I watched a video of them, kind of the money ball strategy, is where they look at the statistics and kind of how, like they get, or how many goals they get, or how many yeah. headers they win, or like how many times touches are in the box, or that sort of model is something that we could really use. Yeah, definitely. I think there's nothing wrong with signing players from lower lower divisions. You know, some of them, as you said, Townsend, Ajayi, you know, really made that step up quite well, but. You know, then if your whole team is filled with players that are, you know, are yet to touch Premier League soil, you know, it's it's quite, you know, it's, it's never going to lead to a, a good result. And, you know, that that proves that they're not going to, if you do go up, may, you'd have to sort of buy more players like Allardyce did and bring more players in to sort of cover those, fill those gaps for you. But yeah, recruitment is not, is not, is not the best at the moment. And I hope that we, you know, Brentford and Barnsley are a fantastic example. You know, Brentford have got, Obviously, uh, they've got uh, they're affiliated with um, one of the Danish clubs, which makes them, you know, a bit, you know, that means they can sort of go and poach players over there. And some of them are, are playing Premier League football and playing it well to 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 this date. So there's so many teams that you could look at, you know, for and Brighton as well. Are probably obviously they've got Dan Ashworth, which is probably the man that, that that a lot of Albion fans wish was still in the frame. But you know, there's definitely need for some restructuring in terms of recruitment and transfers in the summer, and hopefully a bit of a clear out of some of the players that have not been performing, but. Joe, uh, not too long till our next game, unfortunately. Only, only you know, uh, a couple of days away. Middlesbrough uh, away at the Riverside. You know, they're, they're doing really well under Chris Wilder. I know they lost yesterday, but, you know, a manager that we turned down in the summer. Do you, do you think there are some maybe regrets from from the, the club hierarchy for maybe not taking on Wilder when, when they had the chance? Yeah, I think, I think I read the interview with Allardyce. I think he kind of recommended Chris Wilder for the job, but Lai kind of turned him down because of his relationship with uh, Sheffield United donors. But on paper, Wilder was the clear choice, really. He's got the experience. He's got the know-how. He has everything, really. I think compared to Val, who we had to pay compensation for, we didn't have to pay anything for Chris Wilder apart from his wages. But he had one season in the Championship, one all right season with Barnsley. But... We do, it was a big risk we took with Val. I can see why we took the risk. But in hindsight, we should have gone with a safe option with Chris Wilder. But yeah, he's doing really well at Middlesbrough. And I think it's going to be a very tough place to go. It's always been a tough place for us, really. I think, um, uh, yeah, last well, last time in the Championship, we only won 1-0 thanks to a robson Carney goal. So, yeah, it's going, to, it's going to be a tough place. But who knows, really? It's the Albion. We can uh, never really expect anything. Yeah, we just don't know what to expect, really. You know, you hope that... Uh, are there any changes, really, Joe, that you'd like to see in the lineup? Because, you know, uh, Steve Bruce did did sort of hint at the fact that there needs to be change. Maybe are there any, I've seen loads of people obviously throwing out the, the play the kids statement, which maybe is probably a bit overkill if you want to play 11 under 23 players. That's probably not the best thing to do. But certainly there, there might be some scope to drop a few a few of the younger lads in, uh, in into the lineup, maybe for Middlesbrough. Yeah, I think we could uh, definitely potentially see kind of Gardner Hickman coming into the squad, maybe even some of the youngsters like Castro, potentially Cleary. I think it's uh, one of the players that the fans would really like to see get a chance in the first team, considering we're not really scoring many goals. So they, they could be players who come in. I reckon we might switch formation as well. 
potentially we I think we could stick with three five two, but we may look to go four four two in terms of kind of trying to get the ball up to Carroll and play off him. Because the three at the back, it did do us well in the first half, but then yeah, I think after after the first goal we tried to switch it up a little bit and I think Bruce doesn't know yet what his best formation is and what his best squad is. So it'll be really interesting to see which kind of starting open he chooses in Middlesbrough. Yeah, I think um it's definitely going to be interesting. I'd like to see O'Shea maybe come back into the team. I don't know necessarily who he replaces because, um, you know, obviously I, 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 I can't really lie blame at any of really the defence's door for, obviously they didn't, I don't think they particularly worked well in that second half, but I think they weren't helped by the lack of sort of protection and stuff in front of them. You know, it's be harsh to drop. I think any of the three, I don't think any of them have been particularly bad at all, but, you know, I would like to see O'Shea maybe come back and get a game. Gardner Hickman, I think, has to has to play maybe. in the, I'd love to see him back in the midfield. And then Cleary's a good option, I think. Maybe Castro as well, you know, as you said there. There are some young players who I think would I wouldn't mind seeing. I don't think it's right to overhaul the squad and bring, you know, uh, you know, do what we did against Arsenal and just play the under-23s. But I'd like to see some dotted in there, maybe just to give us something a bit different. I think we're all a bit bored and tired of seeing sort of the same players turn out the same performances. It might be nice to see some younger, fresher faces who we know that are going to give 100%, may not be as uh, adapted to the to the professional game yet, but might be nice to see some some different faces in the side. So, yeah, I'm definitely with you there. I'd love to see some of those in. Um, are there any Middlesbrough players that sort of stick out for you, Joe? Because they've they've got, you know, I've, I've watched them against Man United. They they certainly know how to organise themselves against against a side that against Man United who were, who were obviously a lot better in personnel than them. But, but they certainly gave them a game, and eventually their plan worked, and they won on penalties. Are there any players that that the that you'd like to sort of stick out and, and as ones to watch in this one? Well, I think they've got definitely quite a few players who are definitely have an R out in a squad that can make a difference. I think uh, the striker, Spora, all over sport in Lisbon, I think he is a really, really kind of top striker for this level who could definitely cause us problems. Matt Crooks as well. Mm. He uh, he caused Man United problems and uh, he, he will uh, definitely be a threat. I think, um, I can't remember what his name was. I think he's the right wing back. But I think he... Um, I can't remember what his name is, but is it, uh, um, is it Joe? Uh, yeah, Isaiah yeah. Jones is that the one? Yeah, him, him. Yeah, I think he. I remember watching him on like the open day of the season against Fulham when they drew, and I think he really impressed, and he's been impressed throughout the season. I think, um, yeah, those are kind of the key players. I reckon that might cause us problems, but hopefully we'll be able to counteract that with whatever Bruce has in his mind. Yeah, I think there's definitely some decent ones in there. And the fact that Jed Spence, who's another player who's actually on their books, they they had the sort of, you know, the, the, the squad quality to loan him out to Nottingham Forest as well. The fact that he, he was actually on their books at the start of the season and they decided to give him away is ridiculous. So, yeah, we're, I, I think we may be in for another tough one. But, you know, we, it's another away game. Obviously, as I said, we haven't won since uh, the December. We're now one win in 11 uh, in the league. So, you know, it's really worrying times, Joe, uh, is there any way you can see Albion picking up a victory uh, on Tuesday? It's going to be very, very tough. I reckon there's a slight possibility we could get a victory if we absolutely work our socks off and just literally put in the performance of our lives against Middlesbrough. But I reckon a draw might be a realistic result, the best result we can hope for, really. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if we lose, considering the kind of the strength that Middlesbrough have and the low, like, kind of the... Low on confidence that we are, and the higher confidence men as well. I know they've just gone on the back of a loss, but it's it's to football only championship. Anyone can be anyone. Yeah, it's 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 mad the way that the championship works, but it's going to be 
a difficult one. Do you, do you have a score prediction for us, Joe, quickly? I'm going to say 1-1. One, one. One, one. Yeah. yeah, I reckon that might be kind of the best result we can hope for. Yeah, we're gonna, you, you think, you think uh, I'll go for, I'll go for, I'm going to go for nil-nil. I, I, I really, I'm, I'm, I, I think you're brave picking us a score, to be honest, Joe. I think that's a brave, a brave prediction. But yeah, I think, I think it's definitely, I don't, I can't see us picking up a win, but I think a, a draw away from home now looks quite, quite creditable really against a side that are really strong at the moment. Uh, but yeah, Joe, that's all we've got time for on this episode. Thank you very much for joining me. Uh, thank you very much for coming back on. Uh, do you want to just plug uh, your Twitter, maybe the podcast as well, as to what you've been doing recently? So yeah, my Twitter is at football uh, underscore Joey. Uh, give that a follow. Uh, I haven't been really doing the Albion show recently, but I will get back on it after because I've got A-levels and everything at the moment, but I'm determined to get that back up and running soon. Yeah, give that a follow at the Albion show on Twitter and on Spotify, whatever you use. Yeah. So yeah thank you very yeah. much for having me. Pleasure, Joe. Pleasure, pleasure as always. We'll drop some links in the description for, for those couple of things. So yeah, be sure to drop Joe a follow on both of those and to go and check out the podcast. Uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing some, some more episodes on there soon. But that's all we've got time for on today's show. Thank you very much for listening. If you've enjoyed it, make sure you drop us a nice little subscription or maybe a nice five-star rating. That would be just as lovely. But yeah, thank you very much for, the, for listening to this episode of the Baggies podcast. We'll be back again next week to react to the next week of Albion, Albion Games. So yeah. We'll see you in the next one. Goodbye. See you.